Great. Hey, thanks, team. They do a great job. Give them a hand, hey? Thank you. Brilliant. It's good to have you here tonight. As I said earlier, great to have you on a Sunday night. Hey, I want to turn your attention to a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament, Psalm 103. Just five verses. Five verses. Um, Psalm 103 uh, was written by a guy called David. Some of us would be well aware of uh, this young man. We see his life in, in, in full color in 1 Samuel 2 Samuel in the Old Testament part of the Bible. And uh, it doesn't hold anything back when it talks about David's life. Um, I think of all the characters are in the, in the Bible, this guy gets the full gamut of um, his story told. Uh, from a young boy right through to his old age and his death, right through to his passing away. But Psalm 103, if you, it talks about David, and it, well, David writes this psalm. It would have been kind of like the hit song of the day, or one of them. And uh, if you remember, David was a young man initially uh, who grew up to become an incredible king, probably the greatest king of Israel. A young man who, of course, he killed the giant who no one else wanted to kill. I don't remember that story. He killed Goliath, took Goliath out. No one else was interested, but David put his hand up and said, I'll take the dude out. Um, remember that David, as he grew up, and for 10 years, uh, you may remember, but as you read the story, that David was the one who was chased around by his father-in-law. Talk about terrible in-laws. David had them. And, um, and he, uh, for 10 years, his father-in-law uh, breathed murderous threats against him. And uh, David, of course, was hiding in caves and all those type of things. It was just tragic, tragic lifestyle. But, and then, of course, um, we even see the king. He's the king as he became the king. And later in life, he blew it, committed adultery, was involved in murder, uh, and yet uh, became the king who God forgave because he had a heart after God. What an incredible story. I wonder what your story would look like. I wonder what my story would like, look like at the, at the last years of our life. Um, maybe you'll write about yourself and we'll be able to read about it. I don't know. But the reality is David's life is put there for us to see and clearly uh, depicted. And if there was something about Psalm 103, it's a real testimony. Uh, it's like an autobiography of his life. In just The whole chapter is good, but I just wanted to take a little segment of it, segment of it the first five verses. Okay, is that cool? And um, we're going to read those five verses verses 1 through to 5, and it goes like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, whoever, uh, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems. Notice that that redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Um, if there's one reoccurring theme in these five verses, it's to do uh, with regards our thought life. Because uh, the words, bless the Lord, O my soul, the word soul is talking about the inner thoughts, it's talking about where our emotions are formed, it's talking about where our thought life is. And then it even says in, in, in there, it says, and all that is within me, hey, 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 just give thanks to God, give praise and bless God. And, so it, and it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, a couple of times, doesn't it? And throughout the whole chapter, actually, of Psalm 103, it talks about where we need to place our thoughts and how we need to surrender them and give them to God. And David says, and you know, David had every reason to have a whole multitude of thoughts. There was times when David would have thought, well, this is my last, 
you know, I'm probably not going to last. I'm not going to make it through life. I'm going to be murdered by my father-in-law or whatever the thoughts he had. Remember, he also had his wife taken from him. Uh, just imagine the pain of that uh, as uh, Michael was, you know, um, taken away from him, his, his, his own flesh and blood, of course. Uh, tragic events that happened in David's life. And yet in all the tragedy, in all the pain of that, um, you know, um, even some of his sons were murdered and killed. And in all the tragedy of that, at the, near the end of his life, David has enough strength that says, you know what, bless the Lord anyway. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. In other words, all, all these things within me, all these confusion, all, all the thoughts, that, the gamut of thoughts that sometimes just want to try and pull me down. You know what? I'm going to just give you thanks and praise anyway, God. And those things within me, those thoughts and that area of my life, I'm going to say, God, I want to give that to you. I've got to surrender it to you. Because who knows? Um, negativity can eat you up, can't it? Thank you. for your, Are you there tonight? <laughs> do you know you can you can do you know they tell us that 48 we think 48.9 um, thoughts every second that's pretty amazing isn't it just wait a second every minute <laughs> let's get it right <laughs> it's just some of us can do that you know maybe ladies can think that every second but sorry 48.6 thoughts per minute do you know that amounts to 70,000 70, thoughts every day that's a lot of thinking isn't it that's a lot of thinking. That's what they tell us. I don't know if I actually reached that mark. I like to think. Sometimes I just don't like to think. This is going to my nothing box. Just sit there. <laughs> don't think. <laughs> it's a good box, isn't it? So, but, you know, that's amazing. And, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of thoughts that can happen in our lifetime. And uh, yeah, can, we can get a bit tired from that. And we've got to be careful that they don't drag us down. And sometimes we find that stress or worry causes can, can take up a lot of our brain function sometimes. You know, you can appreciate David had his opportunity to be incredibly stressed, incredibly worried and concerned about life. And, and we've got to be careful that doesn't consume us. And, you know, because a worried uh, a life, a person who is consumed by stress, is often a person who is, his life is then consumed by many other things. And it affects their life. It affects the way they work. It affects their relationship. It affects everything. It can even affect your physical health. And, um, and we see that that's a, that's a dangerous place. Do you know that they say uh, stress and worry actually decreases the size of the, some parts of the brain? Physically decreases it. That's a concern, isn't it? So that we sometimes find, it, you know, that we, you know, with stress and worry wants to consume, and it can start to just decrease, and, and you know. But you know what they find? Um, uh, joy and happiness and peace and thanksgiving actually increases and expands our brain capacity. Isn't that wonderful? And yet, it's the very thing that David declares here in this psalm: "Bless the Lord, O my soul, and everything that is within me, all my thoughts, forget not His benefits." Incredible. No wonder praise and, 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 and joy and happiness is so powerful, hey? Um, a philosopher once said this called Marcus Andrews. He said, The soul becomes dyed with the color of its thoughts. The soul, talking about the soul, that's our emotional part, becomes dyed with the color of its thoughts. In other words, our emotions are affected deeply by what we constantly think on and what we see. You know, there's a story, a parable that Jesus teaches in, in Luke chapter 8. 14, and uh, it says, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go their way, they are choked by life's worries. 
riches and pleasures and they do not mature. In other words, you know, we can get choked by life's worries. Literally wants to choke the life out of us. I'm glad that Jesus came to give us life and not take it. Uh, but we see that thoughts and worries can start to choke us. And so I wanted to take this Psalm 103, and there's five verses, and so there's five thoughts I just want to share with you tonight in regards to our thought life and how we need to uh, respond um, and how we can respond in all that God's got for us in the way we think because your thoughts are powerful. Your thoughts are powerful. Do you know that 70 to 80% of the thoughts that we, negative thoughts that we think or the things that we think are going to happen never happen? Isn't that? We can, our brain can think up some pretty crazy things sometimes. Oh, this is going to happen. Oh, this is going to happen. Do you know what? 70 to 80% of them never do. Uh, so we've got to make sure that we just guard our thoughts. Um, so let's look at these verses tonight just quickly. Uh, verse 1. Come on. It says, bless the Lord, O my what? Soul. Come on. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Brilliant. It's pretty simple, isn't it? All, did you know that it says here, David says, you know what? Bless the Lord. All, all that is within me. Do you know David had some pretty negative stuff happening in his life, but he'd learned to surrender that to God. And you know, it, it, all the good thoughts that you might have. It's not just sometimes we look at this verse, and I don't know if you've ever thought deeply about this little psalm, but we can say, oh, bless the Lord, and all that is within me. That must be all the good stuff. Just give praise to God. Do you know what? It's everything that we have that we need, we need to surrender to God. All the good thoughts, all the negative stuff, all of the stuff, we need to come and bring it captive. Doesn't it say that in Scripture? Let, God cap, you know, let Jesus be captivated by Christ, but let our thoughts be taken captive in obedience unto Christ. So I think David, when he says, bless the Lord, he's just saying, whatever's in there, I'm going to just give, give praise. I'm going to surrender it to him. I'm going to praise him. In actual fact, David done a good job sometimes of telling God exactly what he thought. God, I've got this happening to me, and this happening to me, and this happening to me. You read the Psalms. And he, he, he did have a bit of a wind session, that it, but then he'd say, but God. <laughs> but God. But God. God, I thank you that you're a victor over my enemies. I thank you, God, that, that no matter what happens, that you are still on the throne. You know, D David had a clause within his life that even though I'm facing struggles, he knew that it was going to come back to God. I'm just going to bless you no matter what, no matter what the struggle is. And sometimes in life, we find that, um, you know, um, we can have some thoughts and thoughts like this and we can go about life and it's easy to blame everything else. And it's easy to blame someone else in life. But can I encourage you tonight to never go down that track? Because too many of us, sometimes we can take the credit for the positive outcomes, but sometimes we deny responsibility for our failures. And I think it's very healthy to face life full on and never allow your mind to go to the point where saying, well, that's not my fault. That's not my fault. That's someone else's or that's something else. I, that shouldn't have happened to me. No, I think it's healthy. Do you know... Realize that in order for you to grow emotionally, you must be willing to take full responsibility for every thought, both negative and positive, every action, every outcome, every success and every failure. Because when you do, you can face it, you can grow through it, and you can learn, can't you? And so we've got to be careful and we've got to be aware of their thoughts. See, there's a situation in Luke chapter 5. It was in the early days of the, when Jesus was picking his disciples and he hopped in Peter's boat to preach to a whole multitude of people. 
and they just pushed out from the shore a little bit. You can imagine the scene, Lake Galilee, the waters gently lapping against the side, the shoreline. Thousands of people are there. Jesus shares some, um, some message with them. And then Peter's just in the back of the boat, you know, mending or cleaning his nets. He'd been out all night fishing, hadn't caught a thing. And Jesus turns around after he's finished sharing with all these people. He says, Peter, go out into the water and put down your nets and catch some fish. And Peter says, oh, he says, teacher, I've been fishing all night, haven't caught anything. I'm tired. I've had enough. But he says, okay, at your word, I'll go out. And so Peter and Jesus go out into the water in the boat again. Peter reluctantly does it. He, he kind of paddles out there or whatever, puts the sail up, and they sail out into Lake Galilee. He throws his net over, thinking, what's the use? And within seconds, the net's just full of fish. A miracle has happened. A miracle has unfolded. And Peter, in response to that, has a very interesting response to Jesus because he doesn't really know Jesus. This is just the early days of Peter and Jesus' relationship that was developing. And Peter bows on his knees and he says to Jesus, I am a sinful man, depart from me, O Lord. And what was happening was Peter understood that what had just he'd witnessed was a miracle, a miracle catch of fish. And in the, in the miracle, he realized his own shortcomings and failings in life. He took a responsibility. He didn't deny it. He faced up to it. The interesting thing is, if you could just think about this whole scene, you could, Peter could have said this. My goodness, if I hang out with this Jesus, my fishing business is going to boom. This is going to be, I'm going to make a killing here. Just hang out with this guy. He's going to provide all I need. Business is going to be on the up, and I'm going to make lots of money. But he didn't do that. He didn't take take the credit for nothing for something he didn't do. He knew it was a miracle, but he also not only didn't take the credit for something he didn't do. He took responsibility for the things he did do wrong, and he said, "Lord, um, you don't know me. I'm a sinful man." But the interesting response then to Peter was, um, he walked. It allowed him that response, that honesty about what he hadn't done, and that honesty about what he had done, and the thoughts that he had about that allowed him to walk away from the miracle, walk away from his fishing business, which was maybe, it could have been quite lucrative, and follow Jesus. And I want to say today, you've got to, you've got to take responsibility hey, in our thoughts and our attitudes of how we do life. And I think Peter, uh, sorry, I think David, as he declared, you know what, I'm just going to bless the Lord. Because I've got to realize that every, every good thing is usually because of God. And every bad thing, I'm going to own up to it anyway. And I'm going to let God have that. I'm going to hand it over to him. And I'm going to take responsibility. And not take the credit where I didn't, don't need to take the credit. And so I want to just say, we've got to bless the Lord. And all that's within us, just surrender it to him. The second thought I was thinking about was in verse 2. It says, bless the Lord, O my what? Soul. And forget not all his what? benefits in other words in this inner person again david declares all that's within me bless him thank him praise him surrender it but then he says forget not all his benefits you know here's the second thought in the time of things going wrong um, it's not a time for us to forget his blessings in our lives and sometimes um, we can think life um, when it gets bad we think that's the way it's going to be for the rest of our lives we think, oh, life really sucks at the moment. Well, that's the way it's going to be. I want to tell you, you wouldn't be right if you thought that. Don't ever confuse something. Don't ever confuse um, um, the reality that life is just going to be like this all the time because it's not necessarily going to be that way at all. Um, 
And, and, and sometimes, you know, as David says, forget not all the benefits that our Lord. In the times that it's difficult, would you remember the good things about life and find things to give praise to God for anyway? I reckon that's a good way to live life. It's a good attitude to have. Because our mind can be a battlefield. And the greatest conflicts can happen right there. And, um, and a lot of, as I said earlier, a lot of the thoughts that we have sometimes are never going to be. But allow your thoughts to dwell. Don't allow your mind and thoughts to dwell and fester on all the bad stuff. Because, you know, bad things happen every day. But, you know, as David said, forget not all the good things. Don't forget the good things. I often find that, you know, when you start to give thanks for the good things in the day. Um, you know, uh, Matthew Henry is a, is, is a Bible commentator and a, he wrote a commentary, a famous commentary. And Matthew Henry was a good Christian man and one day someone stole his wallet. And you know what he says? I'm thankful that, uh, that, uh, that uh, even though the, my wallet was stolen, I'm thankful I didn't have much money in it. And then he says, and I'm thankful that even though my wallet was stolen, it was it was me who was stolen from and not me who had done the stealing. He just found something thankful. to be, you know, And that's what David says. Come on, forget not all the good things that is happening in our life. Um, it, you know, the truth is that Jesus came to give us life and more abundantly. But there is an enemy of our soul, the devil. And it says he's come to kill, to steal and destroy. And as it says earlier, he wants to choke your life by worry and concern. He wants to choke your life. He'll choke the life out of your life if you allow it. So you've got to be careful. And David says one of the antidotes for that is to consider all, forget not all the benefits that uh, our Lord has. Get, tell the negative committee that meets in your head to sit down and shut up. Don't think yourself into nervous breakdown or depression or into hopeless defeat. Fight. Your, if you've got to fight the fight, fight it in your mind. And, and you know the way I do that is change it from all the stuff that's gone wrong to forgetting out all the good things that God has done. All the good things. Give him honor and praise for that. Here's the third verse. It says, the third verse says, Whoever uh, who forgives all your iniquities, all your sins, who heals all your diseases. Um, sometimes our thoughts can be, it's too late, I've missed my chance. And David says, hey, you know what? As you come to him, don't focus on your past failures. He forgives all your past. He wants to do something about your past. You know, there's one thing about Jesus Christ. I can't go into my past and sort it out. But he doesn't ask us to because he'll do it for us. And, you know, he doesn't bring up our past. He says the past is as far as the east is from the west. And if you haven't worked it out, that's, it's, that's infinity. That's eternal. That never, they never meet. East and West, they just keep on going around and around the earth. So, you know, it's a good thing. David says, come on, who forgives all our past, our iniquities. Um, be done with regrets. They're, ex they're excuses for people who have given up. That's true, hey. Don't give up. Um, just, there's lots of regrets. I have regrets. You have regrets. And, you know, if we focus on them, especially, you know, sometimes when you're about to step out into something new, all of a sudden your past wants to come up and slap you in the face. Well, you can't do that. You can't do that. Remember, you, remember your past? How could you ever do that? I want to tell you our past is exactly that. It's past. And we need to step forward. You know, your best chance is right now. Move on into it. 
He says, come on, remember there's a God who forgives all our past. Uh, Philippians says, Paul, um, uh, Paul says this, you know, brothers and sisters, I don't count myself to apprehended. Philippians 3, 13 and 15. But one thing I do, forgetting all those things which are behind me, I reach forward to those things which are ahead, and I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as a, as a mature, have this mind. There we go. Have the thoughts. And if, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this even to you. Have this thought. Have this in mind. Forgetting the past. And, you know... Um, You've got to press past your past sometimes, don't you? Because sometimes your past stands like a soldier or, a, or, a, or a, a, a barrier to your future. And you've got to let it go. And I'm thankful that we come to a God. David knew that. He blew it. Adultery, murder. My goodness. Uh, I don't think any of us kind of fit into that category uh, if we wanted to uh, think about things that we've done wrong. But David did, and yet God took him on past that. He took him on past it. That's a, a merciful God, isn't it? Um, forget those things that are behind us. Here's verse 4. It says, Who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Um, when we're going through difficult times, let's take hope from a God who specializes in giving us life. It says, Who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns your loving kindness with you with loving kindness and tender mercies. And sometimes we can think this, the way it is now is the way it'll always be. You think right now, and you know what? We confuse our path with our destination. We confuse our journey with our destination. We think this journey of pain and suffering and issues and struggles, this is my lot in life. No, it's not. It's a lie if you get told. Don't listen to the lie because that's just your journey. It's not your destination. There's a difference. And David was saying, come on, he redeems our life. In other words, he's paid the price for it and that we can live a better life. He says, don't confuse your, your journey with your destination. Your destination is bright in him, even though your journey right now looks like it's a bit of a difficult time. And I'm glad. Don't confuse it. Um, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 18, there was a great story unfolded here uh, in this passage in Matthew 8, Jesus had just once again preached to a multitude of people. He was on the banks of Lake Galilee. And obviously Lake Galilee was fairly um, geographically central to where Jesus used to preach a lot and share and talk to people. And so once again, they're on the banks of the Lake Galilee. And uh, after he's finished, he says to his disciples, let's jump in the boat and let's go to the other side. I love that. And you've heard this, but I just love that thought. Jesus said, let's go to the other. What? side. In other words, Jesus knew where their destination was. He just didn't tell them about the journey between here and the other side. So Jesus is tired. He gets into the back of the boat. They actually, it actually, Matthew goes to the, the um, incredible um, detail and says Jesus had a pillow and he fell asleep in the back of the boat and uh, it, it, you know he's had a big day. And wouldn't you know it, a storm brews up and so much was the storm, the disciples actually feared for their lives. Um, you can read it for yourself in Matthew 8. And it says that they were so concerned that they, that they were going to perish. It must have been a pretty, pretty awesome storm. So they wake Jesus up and says, don't you care that we're going to perish? And Jesus says, you have such little faith. And he speaks the word and the seas calm and the wind dies down and they're just amazed. But here's the point. Sometimes we forget that Jesus says, hey, I'm going to get you to the other side. Because the storm blows up and we get so confused and so 
paranoid and so worried and so concerned. But if you just got to hang on to the what? The promise. There's another side, folks. And sometimes in the midst of life, we sometimes think that, well, this is my lot in life. This is the way it is now. It'll always be. Don't listen to the lie. Don't allow your mind to be confused. Because David said, you know what? I've got a God who redeems us out of the destructive things that happen in our life. I think that's good news. What about you? Don't be a prisoner of the past. Be a pioneer of your future. Come on. And it all starts with your thoughts. How are you going to think? And here's the last verse. It says in verse 5, verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. If you read about the life of an eagle, uh, it's a great metaphor for life, but you've got to understand that eagles don't always soar. Before they can soar, they've got to climb to those dizzy heights. They've got to get through those, those difficult times. And it's interesting because... Sometimes in life we can think, well, life was supposed to be easier than this. Don't get disappointed on the journey by how sometimes it comes to difficulties. Don't get disappointed. Move on through it and embrace it because it can make you a better person. And an eagle, if he ever wants, when a storm comes on the horizon he, he, and he's flying along and he has to confront this storm, the first thing that he does is he allows the storm, he, it buffets him and pushes him around but he allows himself, he doesn't fly away from the storm, he'll fly into the storm. And the hot currents apparently lift him higher and higher and higher until he's finally above the storm. What a great picture of what David is declaring here. That he satisfies your mouth with good things. He renews your youth like the eagle. And sometimes we think, well, eagle metaphor is all about soaring. Well, it's a good part of it, is it soaring, but before you go soar, you've got to face the storm. And you've got to allow the storm to take you higher. That song we sing tonight, it says, in the storm, uh, take you higher, or something along those lines. And it's so true. Um, and we've got to realize that, you know, you can say, well, I don't like the storm. Life should be easier than this. But I want to tell you, it's the storms that make life so much better. Life, life isn't necessarily easy, but I tell you what, it can be so much, we can be so much stronger in it because of what we face. Um, how does the tree ever know that it's ever going to withstand the storm? Um, how do the roots grow deeper? It's by the wind that blows against it, isn't it? If a tree never gets any resistance, it'll never put down its roots strong. And, you know, I was thinking about that. Sometimes we can either be an oak tree or a mushroom. You know the analogy. An oak tree, over decades and decades, will send its roots down deep into the subsoil, into the rocky base beneath it, and its roots will grab onto rocks. But it take, here's the thing. It takes a long time. And over those years, the wind will buffet it and push against it, and things will come against that oak tree. But because it's grown and it's taken years to develop, it'll be strong and it'll still be standing. So you can have a life like that, but you can have a life like a mushroom. Quite literally, that mushroom will pop up within hours, have no roots. It can be easily stood on, and within 48 hours, it usually just shrivels away anyway. So what kind of life do you want to lead? It all depends on what you're willing to um, have in your, what, what you're willing to face and what you're willing to go through. And you've got to realize uh, that he says, you know, he wants to renew your mind. And in all those situations I've mentioned tonight, he wants to renew your thoughts so that you can think on those that are good. Now, you know, tomorrow morning when you wake up, don't fall into this same old rut and say, oh, oh another day. Why did you say, hey, another day? Whoopee. 
You know? And when you get to work, think, oh, I've got to face those people. Why don't you say, Father, I thank you that you face it with me. I give you praise for all the good and the bad that's going to happen today and that you can help me face it with strength. God, I know I've got some challenging situations that I'm about to face this week or this, this, this time in my life. But I ask for your strength to face that, Lord. I yield it to you. I surrender it. I surrender. I bless you, Lord, in all the good and bad that's within my soul. God, I hand it over. And I want to be a pioneer of a better future. Uh, not always, you know, kind of floundering in my past, but living for what God has. It all starts with how we think. You know, there was um, the last story I just want to share from the Bible, Mark chapter 5. Um, Jesus came to a place on, by boat to this land, and there was a man possessed by demons. It actually says in the scripture, it was a legion of demons, a legion. And, then, and the man um, was, um, he came to the boat, and, he's, and, uh, and Jesus del- prayed for him, delivered him of many demons. And now it says in verse, Mark chapter 5, 15, um, when they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, he was sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid of it because they hadn't seen him like that before. He lived, to see, the story is he lived in a graveyard. He was naked. They couldn't, no one could control him. They used to chain him up, and they couldn't control him. He'd break the chains. He'd take pieces of pottery and cut himself. That's pretty familiar, unfortunately, today with people sometimes when they're depressed, they cut themselves. And so this guy used to do all that. And the team can come, thanks team. And um, when Mark mentions this man, he no longer talks about him roaming in a graveyard. He no longer talks about him cutting himself. He no longer talks about him being tormented or screaming. And no longer was he needed to be chained or held down to, to control him. But Mark um, proclaims his life in two words. Two words. He said he was dressed in his right mind. Right mind. I want to say that we can have a right mind in Christ Jesus. In Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5, it declares it. But it, just, it takes your commitment and effort to say, you know what? I'm going to think right. I'm going to live right. I'm going to put um, God first in my life. Can we stand tonight as uh, we close? just going to sing this song for a moment tonight hey this for a moment beautiful song just for a moment worship one more moment thank you lord Rise and fall, 
Your throne we stand it all. Your name is unshaken. What hell meant to break me has failed. Now nothing will silence my praise. I will cry out in worship. The walls of the prison will shake. The chain breaking king will rise to save. We cry out in worship. You know, as we just continue to just sing and worship tonight, just for a moment, you know, I would want to encourage you, the presence of God is here. He wants to minister to your heart. And maybe tonight you just need to step out and say, Father, I just surrender. Maybe there's been some things that I just wanted to come against your thoughts and just concern you. And maybe tonight this is a moment, a sacred moment where you can just say, Father, I surrender. Holy Spirit, come. Fill me, strengthen me. I need you. I invite you to come forward tonight. We just pray together. We stand. Let God touch and minister. And those things that want to just invade you and push you around and knock you up and, and just, uh, you know, basically want to just weaken you. God just says, come on, come on, come on. Surrender those. You know, give those over. Come and I can just minister. His presence, His power, His struggle, His encouragement tonight. So you're welcome. Just come forward tonight. We just want to pray and stand together and believe God's touch and ministry. Take